clap for the team real quick. Guys, thanks for leading us. Hey, my name is Bradley. I'm on staff at Orchard uh, with the worship team and the teaching team. And fun fact, like, I don't know why I checked my watch. Like 15 years ago, um, I was a person who went to the watch I don't have. Uh, like 15 years ago, I was a person who attended BASIC. Um, and BASIC has been a really formative place uh, in my life. So uh, it feels really good to be here with all of you. And thanks for being here so that I don't have to hang out all by myself tonight. Uh, so we're starting a new series at BASIC this week. And in this series, we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit. And we know that all of us come in here with maybe some different thoughts or some different experiences or questions about who the Holy Spirit is and also what that actually means for the ordinary moments that we live every single day. And our hope for this series is that it will help us to encounter Holy Spirit and to have a relationship with Holy Spirit, not just in like the mountaintop moments of our faith, not just on Thursdays or on Sundays, but in our everyday ordinary lives. So we're going to dive in, but first... I have a question for everyone to ponder. Some of you may have heard this question before. What does your brain look like? Now, real quick, I'm not talking about like the gray squishy thing inside your head, not like a cross section of the human brain. I'm talking about the place where your thoughts happen, your mind. What does your mind look like? Maybe even close your eyes for a second and picture. What does that space look like? Did you picture it? You can say yes or no, it's okay. Did you picture it? Thanks. That was really kind of you. See, this question was asked at a team meeting before BASIC several months ago, and I was absolutely fascinated by the answers. One person said the inside of their mind was like a room full of filing cabinets, and she was constantly searching through the drawers to find what she needed. Someone else said that their mind was like a swarm of hornets, which is absolutely terrifying to me. And another person said that their mind was like a plate of spaghetti. But there was one answer that night that really stuck out to me. This young adult said that his mind looks like an empty room where he stands all by himself, just talking to himself. And as soon as he said that, I was like, yep, that is absolutely me. I am that guy. I'm that guy with his hands behind his back just standing in that room. Does anyone else find themselves alone in that room in their head kind of often? And if we're honest, this room in our minds isn't always the best place to be. A study I read recently said that around 75% of the thoughts we have every single day tend to be negative. 75% of our thoughts. We're not always our own best friend, are we? Y'all, have you ever felt kind of trapped all alone in that room in your mind? Have you ever wished you could just stop thinking about that thing that makes you angry or that worry or that regret? Have you ever felt like no one can really be in that room in your mind with you because nobody really knows what it's like to be you? See, it's easy for us to find ourselves standing in this empty room in our minds, replaying these one-sided, often anxious, and sometimes downright destructive conversations over and over again, all by ourselves. But here's the real question. What would change for you and for me if we realized that we weren't actually alone in that room in our minds? What would change? If you have a Bible with you, take it out. We're going to turn to John chapter 14. 
John chapter 14. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you some context, okay? In this chapter, Jesus is in the middle of a really long conversation that he's having with his disciples. It's so long, it's actually four chapters long. And unfortunately, this conversation begins with what the disciples probably saw as the biggest letdown in human history. Jesus begins this conversation by telling his disciples that he is leaving and they're going to be on their own. What Jesus means is that he's going to die. Now, these people had spent the last three years in a relationship with Jesus. They traveled together. They lived together. They experienced Jesus' power and love and kindness. They saw him perform miracles, and they knew that Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was God on earth. He was God in human form. So the disciples, they got to be friends with God. But now it seemed like everything was falling apart. Jesus was going away, and he said that his friends would search for him, but they couldn't come where he was going. Y'all, can you imagine the interior of their minds? Where is Jesus going? Why can't we come with? Why would he only reveal himself to us and not the rest of the world? Are we really supposed to do that part all by ourselves? And in this conversation, Jesus is actually equipping his friends with what they need to continue when he's gone. And much of what he says boils down to this instruction to just stay close in relationship with him. Now, that must have been kind of confusing to hear right after Jesus said he was leaving. I don't think long-distance relationships were like a thing in the first century. So how are they supposed to stay close if Jesus was going away? So the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he never offers us an instruction without also promising a way. Jesus never offers an instruction without also promising a way, and he tells us about the way to remain in relationship with him. In John 14, starting in verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it's not looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus promises the disciples another advocate who will never leave them. And he actually keeps coming back to that promise over and over again throughout that whole conversation. And the word Jesus uses, the word advocate, it means the one who comes alongside. Other translations use the word comforter, encourager, counselor, and friend. In this passage, Jesus is introducing us to the Holy Spirit and promising that the Holy Spirit will be the friend who comes alongside the disciples and all of humanity after Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is the way for us to remain close in relationship with Jesus. So the question is, who is the Holy Spirit, right? Before we answer that question, we actually need to talk about God as a whole. In fact, over the last few months, I asked several of you what questions you have about the Holy Spirit. And I realized that most of your questions actually had to do with this idea of the Trinity, that our one God is actually a community that exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all one God and They're also distinct. 
the way that we relate to them and experience them often looks different. And if you find that confusing, you're absolutely right. It is incredibly confusing. The truth is that God exists beyond our understanding. So how God can exist in three distinct persons while still being just one God isn't something that we'll ever be able to fully understand. It doesn't matter how much information we have or how many metaphors we use. And one thing about me is I'm a person who really likes to understand things. That's why I'm a bird watcher. I want to understand them. And it drives me crazy that I can't do that with God. But here's the thing. God never asked us to know everything about him. God invites us to know him. We were created for a relationship with God. And that means that our understanding of how the Trinity works is valuable, but only to the degree that it helps us to deepen our relationship with God. So I'm going to share just one way of thinking about our one God in three persons that has helped me. Okay. The Trinity is God, the father over us the creator of the universe who is all powerful and all knowing and all loving and also God, the son beside us. This is God who came to earth in the form of a human named Jesus to live with us and to make a way for all people to have a personal relationship with God. And the Trinity is also God, the Holy spirit within us. This is God who continues to be with us, living inside us here and now. So the Holy Spirit is not like some weird force or a ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is God. In all of God's unmatched power and unlimited knowledge and unconditional love. And Holy Spirit is living within you and me right here, right now. Can you feel the weight of that truth? Do you believe that God would choose to be that close to you? Honestly, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it, but there's this image of the Holy Spirit in scripture that's been really helpful for me to begin to understand why God would do this. And it's actually in the very beginning, Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty And darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. Okay, I'm kind of a nerd, so we're going to do a word study. All right, those words formless and empty. They're just one way to translate this interesting Hebrew phrase, tohu vavohu. Everybody say tohu vavohu. Not tofu, tohu vavohu. Nice, nice. Tohu vavohu means chaos and confusion. And are you ready for this? It means that which is in the process of becoming. Tohu vavohu encompasses our experience of the world when it's not yet the way that it should be. And that might be a new phrase, but we all know what tohu vavohu feels like, don't we? We see it all around us in the world and also in ourselves. Like when war tears apart cities and fractures families, and when injustice continues to devalue humans that God created and loves, and when children can't feel safe in their own schools, and when everyone is too busy arguing and defending their opinions to join together and do something about it, y'all, that's tohu vavohu. That is not the way that it should be. And when your mind 
is flooded with anxiety or regret or a host of critical thoughts that we all have about ourselves or when you grieve the loss of a family member or a friend or when you find yourself brokenhearted over a relationship or when you just feel stuck or hopeless or not good enough, that's tohu vavohu. That's not the way that it should be. But the author of Genesis says that the Holy Spirit hovers in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion. The Holy Spirit is down in the midst of everything that is not as it should be. And that Hebrew word for hovering actually translates to brooding, like how a bird broods over her nest, remaining close, actively helping her children in their process of becoming what they're meant to be. See, even then, at the beginning of creation, the role of the Holy Spirit was to be with us, to stay close, down in the midst of our chaos and confusion, bringing peace and clarity, and little by little piecing us together as we become who we're meant to be. So now, billions of years later, Jesus promises to send this very same Holy Spirit to live inside each and every one of us, to continue to be God on earth, God with us after Jesus is gone. So who is the Holy Spirit for us right now today? The Holy Spirit is God with you. God who comes alongside and remains close to you in every single ordinary, everyday moment of your life. Holy Spirit is your comforter, your encourager, your teacher, your healer, and your friend. And Holy Spirit is not just present, but also active, speaking to you, helping you in your process of becoming the person you're meant to be. See, this Christian life of following Jesus is not about adhering to a list of rules or meeting churchy expectations or living out a set of perfect moral principles. Y'all, it's not even about believing all the right things. Following Jesus is about relationship. It's always been about relationship. And for us, that is a friendship with the Holy Spirit who is God on earth the one sent by Jesus to perfectly represent Jesus, to perfectly reflect the kindness and the power and the presence of God to us and through us to this world that God loves. And just like God's unconditional love, Holy Spirit's presence with us is a constant gift. We couldn't earn it or achieve it if we tried, and there's nothing we could ever do to take it away. So on our very best days, our mountaintop moments, our victories, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, celebrating with us. And on our worst days, when grief or anxiety are overwhelming or when shame and guilt make us want to run and hide, the Holy Spirit is with us, close in the chaos, bringing healing and peace with more love and kindness and mercy than we could ever imagine. And all the days in between, like the beautiful moments, the hard moments, the moments that really don't seem to matter at all. The Holy Spirit is a constant, caring, and wise friend in that room in our minds, walking with us, reminding us of God's incredible love for us and guiding us in this gradual process of becoming the people we're meant to be. The constant, 
never-changing presence and friendship of the Holy Spirit is a free gift. And in this friendship, we are invited to play a role. So our role in this friendship is three things. Ready? Notice the Holy Spirit. Communicate with the Holy Spirit and respond to the Holy Spirit. Notice, communicate, and respond. We actually do that in all of our relationships, don't we? We notice each other, we talk to each other, and then we respond to each other. But just like all of our relationships, it takes practice. So when we practice noticing the Holy Spirit, we become aware and we acknowledge Holy Spirit's presence with us. We're not searching for a sign. We're not trying to create some kind of mystical experience. Noticing the Holy Spirit is a simple practice of reminding ourselves that in the midst of these anxious conversations we have in our minds, we're not alone in our minds. And we can do this in lots of different ways. There's a song we sing here at Basic called Holy Spirit Come. And every time we sing those words, we're not actually asking Holy Spirit to show up. Holy Spirit's already here alive and working in each of us. When we sing Holy Spirit come, we're asking for awareness. We're asking for help to notice the Holy Spirit. And this practice is not just for Thursdays, but for each and every ordinary moment of our lives. Many years ago, I had a conversation with a high school student on a Wednesday night who was struggling with depression and anxiety. And that night he was actually feeling nervous to leave church because he knew that he was gonna go home and be by himself. So we talked for a while and we prayed together and he went home that night with a handwritten note, terrible handwriting, that just said, God is with me right now to help him notice that even though he felt alone in all of that chaos and confusion, he wasn't alone. He kept that note and eventually he got a tattoo of those words as a daily reminder to notice the Holy Spirit with him, even when he's struggling. Okay, so maybe a tattoo is not your thing, that's fine. You could put a note on your bathroom mirror or in your car. You could set a daily reminder on your phone, or you could set aside time to go for a quiet walk just to practice noticing the Holy Spirit. And then when we notice the Holy Spirit, we can communicate with the Holy Spirit. In a book called Practicing His Presence that I like a lot, uh, the author Frank Laubach talks about communicating with Holy Spirit this way. He says, all thought employs silent words and is really a conversation with your inner self. Instead of talking to yourself, form the habit of talking to Christ, making all thought a conversation with the Lord. Is it surprising for you to hear that every single thought can be a conversation with the Holy Spirit? This is what the scriptures mean when they tell us to pray without ceasing. Y'all, we often imagine prayer as this really complicated spiritual process, and we like get nervous to do it out loud in front of people. But the truth is that God really wants to meet us wherever we're at. Wherever our thoughts wander, God is there in every moment. In fact, hear me say this. This is important. When we communicate with Holy Spirit, we don't have to change our thoughts. We don't have to make our thoughts somehow like right or good enough to talk to God. God's not looking for our performance. God wants a relationship with you. So instead, when we communicate with Holy Spirit, we're simply directing our real, honest, unfiltered thoughts to the one who's already there with us. So a few weeks ago, I found myself in a bit of a debate with my four-year-old son, Rowan, about whether or not he needed to go potty at that particular moment. 
I know, it was a real high point in my parenting career. By the way, if you ever want to win an argument, might I advise against arguing with a four-year-old? A four-year-old is basically a roommate who never leaves and is always like a little bit wasted, okay? They have their own logic, and it makes no sense to anybody else. They're brutally honest, and they don't even know they're being honest, and you have to drive them everywhere, okay? So Rowan and I... We're having this argument, and he's doing the potty dance, which for him is like this little step-touch situation. It's pretty jazzy. And we're both starting to heat up, and he says something to me that just puts me over the edge. I don't even remember what he said, but I remember I was triggered. I got hit with this anger that I wasn't expecting. Now, luckily, Daniel Tiger sang a song to me that morning that says, When you're feeling frustrated, take a step back. And ask for help. It's a great melody. I'm never going to forget it. So in that moment, I took a step back, and I asked my wife, Alex, for help in the form of a quick tap out. And I immediately went downstairs, absolutely seething with anger and also guilt and shame because I let my four-year-old make me angry, which then made me angry at myself. And in the midst of all of this chaos, I kept having this thought, why am I so angry? My kid has to pee. Why am I so angry? And because God is kind, I happen to remember this practice of directing our thoughts to the Holy Spirit. So I repeated the thought, this time not just to myself. I actually said it out loud. I said, Holy Spirit, why am I so angry? And in that moment, I remembered this time when I was a kid, arguing with my dad. And I remembered saying something really hurtful to him during that argument, and then I felt absolutely terrible about it. And when I had that memory, this chaotic storm of anger and guilt and shame in that room in my mind started to slow down a little bit and then dissipate. And it was replaced by a host of other thoughts and feelings. First of all, amazement that my parents were able to deal with me as a child because I was kind of a lot. And also compassion and understanding for my hilarious kid who would much rather keep playing with Legos than go to the bathroom. Forgiveness for myself. Because getting angry doesn't make me a terrible dad. Just a human being in the process of becoming who I'm meant to be. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit met me that day, not with a booming voice from heaven telling me to shape up. Not with a crazy sign or like goosebumps but with healing and peace. Y'all, what if we did this with even just a few of our anxious thoughts we have every day? Thoughts like, I'm overwhelmed, become, Holy Spirit, I'm overwhelmed. Thoughts like, I don't know what to do, become, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. And yes, even thoughts like, that person is a fill-in-the-blank, become, Holy Spirit, That person is a fill-in-the-blank, real, honest, unfiltered. We're invited to communicate every thought without shame, and then we have the opportunity to listen and find that Holy Spirit is ready to meet us right in the midst of our chaos and confusion with kindness and healing and wisdom and real peace. And then when we communicate with the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. 
And our response to the Holy Spirit could be a real action, like having an important conversation or seeking some help with a struggle you've been having or reaching out in love and compassion or maybe forgiveness to another person. Someone from Basic shared with me a few weeks ago that they kept randomly thinking about this friend they hadn't seen in years. And their response to that nudge from the Holy Spirit was to send a text just to say, hey, how's it going? I've been thinking about you. But maybe our response to the Holy Spirit doesn't have to look like an action all the time. Maybe it's simply a thank you or a little more trust or hope or surrender that helps us continue to become the people that we're meant to be. My response after the great potty debate of 2023 looked like going back upstairs and finding my son who Alex had magically convinced to use the bathroom and playing with some Legos because right now that's what love looks like for my four-year-old. No matter what it looks like when we respond to the Holy Spirit, we're allowing the goodness of God to not only be reflected to us, but also through us. All right, real quick, listening check. What were the three things? Shout it out. What was the first thing? Well done. What was the second thing? Very well. And what was the third thing? Great job, everyone. Notice, communicate, respond. This is what a friendship with Holy Spirit can look like, and it is the way Jesus gave us to stay in relationship with him. Remember, whenever Jesus offers an instruction, he always promises a way. But it's up to us to choose that way. So I'm going to invite the band up. And here's the truth. It's so easy for us to miss. But because of the Holy Spirit, none of us are alone in our minds. And this is true whether you're walking to your 8 a.m. class or you're in a fight with your roommate, whether you're bagging groceries or sitting at home wishing you had someone to talk to. You and I spend every single ordinary moment of our lives in the presence of God because Holy Spirit is living in us. Even in the midst of the chaos and confusion we encounter around us and within us, because let's be honest, we're all in the process of becoming who we're meant to be. And in that process, Holy Spirit is inviting us into an everyday friendship where we can notice that we're not alone. We can communicate by directing our real, honest thoughts to him. And we can respond by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and also through us to bring healing and peace to this broken and beautiful world that God loves. So I wanna invite all of you to stand and we're gonna pray and then we're gonna spend some time in musical worship together. And I just wanna encourage you that during this time, the whole point of musical worship is that it helps us to notice and communicate and respond to the Holy Spirit, okay? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are here. You are kind. And you have all of the power to provide everything that we need. So often we've made you out to be this, this deeply mysterious, inaccessible thing. And it's true, you are mysterious. We'll never understand you completely. But you have made yourself accessible to us. Holy Spirit, would you help us to receive that gift? Would you help us to notice you starting tonight, to notice that we're not alone in the midst of our anxious thoughts? Would you help us to communicate with you honestly because you are full of mercy and kindness? And then Holy Spirit, would you help us to respond to you 
so that we can continue to become the people that you've created us to be, people of hope, people of compassion, and people who bring your kingdom to earth. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for every single person in this room. Help us to notice you during the rest of this time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.